our family has been put into shambles over a senseless act of violence that could have been avoided. Learning more about the lives shattered by a mass shooting at a Vaughn condo building. Tonight, mourning the victims. As friends and family remember them, new insight into what may have led to the violence. Good evening. We'll bring you that story in just a moment. But first to a disturbing development and new revelations in the investigation into a downtown murder. Eight girls between the ages of 13 and 16 are charged with attacking and killing a man over the weekend. CTV's Allison Hurst is live at police headquarters with the details. Allison. Police say that the, this appears to be a random incident, that there are no indicators the suspect knew the victim. And... Um, Near this intersection shortly after midnight Saturday morning, a deadly swarming took place, killing a 59-year-old Toronto man. The victim had suffered what were, what were described as stab wounds. Police say eight teenage girls are now in custody. Three 13-year-olds, three 14-year-olds and two 16-year-olds, all facing a second-degree murder charge. These eight individuals, from what we've gathered so far, is that they met each other through social media. They come from varying parts of the city. And police say they don't believe this was the first altercation this group had, that they met in the area around 10.30 Saturday night. I think they would be uh, easily identifiable because these uh, two interactions involved what would be described as criminal behavior. CTV News spoke with Ken Weber on Sunday, who says he saw the victim in the moments before the attack. They were sitting on a bench, sipping booze out of a, out of a Mickey, having a cigarette. Police did not release the identity of the victim pending notifying next of kin, but said he had recently started living in the shelter system. Several people living at the nearby Strathcona Hotel said he was a former resident who went by the name Kenny. And they believed a group of partiers tried to take alcohol from him or his girlfriend, prompting a fight which became a swarming. He had a lot of friends, he was generous, he was a kind-hearted person. Police say three of the girls had prior contact with police, but five of them had none whatsoever. A number of weapons were secured as well, a subject uh, or incident to arrest. I won't get into what those weapons were, but we did, uh, we did secure a number of weapons in, in regards to these individuals. The eight teenagers accused are in custody and back in court December 29th. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Allison. And our coverage on this story continues online. Read more details about the teens charged and how they're believed to have met through social media. You'll find that on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. The latest on the deadly mass shooting at a Vaughn condo complex Sunday night. Five people were killed. The gunman shot dead by police. And today, we're learning more about the victims. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us live from Jane and Rutherford with the latest. Beth. Michelle, there is a growing memorial here outside the condo building, and it's been another day full of pain and anguish as loved ones learn who was killed. It's a community in mourning trying to comprehend. People bringing flowers, saying prayers, and struggling with the magnitude of the loss. They're all wonderful people, and this is a tight community. This is... This is so sad, so sad. It's going to take all of us a long time to get over this. Marilyn Ifrady was friends with two victims killed, describing 79-year-old Vittorio Panza and his partner, 57-year-old Rita Camilleri, as good advocates for the building. 
Ifredi says she helped Camilleri prepare her bio to run as a condo board member. Now she wishes she never had. Camilleri is one of three board members who died. She was so good at what she did, and it was always putting the residents of her building first. These are human beings. These are people who had grandchildren. These are people who have loved ones and who were actually killed with their loved ones. At York Regional Police Headquarters, Chief Jim McSween spoke about each of the condo residents who lost their lives. This is what he said about another board member, 59-year-old Navid Dada. Was a great son and a brother. He spent half his life in Canada. And Navid always wanted to serve his community and help those in need. Also killed 75-year-old Russell Manock and 71-year-old Lorraine Manock. They were devoted to each other and their family. Soulmates in life and now in heaven. 66-year-old Doreen Danino was also wounded but survived. I was there when the gunman targeted my wife. Um, the emotional, uh, I, I just... I just keep seeing everything over and over again. I'm going to continue. I'm going to make it a mission to continue advocating for gun control and mental health in, in this city. Meanwhile, neighbors are processing how it came to this carnage. The shooter, Francesco Vili, had ongoing legal disputes with the condo. He was shot and killed by a 24-year veteran of the force. Veronica Zaitsva says Vili hugged her son on Friday. Just surprised, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, we all knew that he was angry at all these people, you know, but um, everybody knew about but nobody really did anything. I feel terrible for everyone, and I hate to say this, but I feel terrible for him as well. A heartbreaking end as the grieving goes on. Today, the management company for the condo issued a statement saying their thoughts are with the loved ones, families and friends of the victims and the owners here. The company also thanked first responders. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Beth. And we're learning more about the presumed shooter's actions in the weeks before the mass shooting, including a meeting with a city councillor who now has many questions. CTV's John Woodward joins us now. And John, what did you learn? Nathan, just a month before this mass shooting, a Vaughan City Councillor was inside the unit belonging to the presumed gunman, trying to help him with the complaints he was fixated on. Just one month before five people were gunned down in this condo building in Vaughan, City Councillor Marco Rocco got a call from the presumed gunman, Francesco Villi. He was uh, upset. You could see that uh, he was animated. He was moving a lot. Philly was concerned about the electrical room below his unit and invited Rocco there. Philly had alleged to a court in Newmarket that electromagnetic waves were causing him harm. I told him, if you want me to talk to you, you have to quiet down, let me understand you, and I'll be happy to assist you. Rocco said he checked that room and didn't see anything amiss. Based on my observation, I have to concluded that uh, he probably uh, was seeing things that didn't seem to be there. A month later, carnage at the building. Five people dead, three of the dead on the condo board. Court records show complaints that Vili was repeatedly harassing them and had been fined $29,500 for breaching a restraining order not to communicate except in writing. She doesn't want to hear my truth. The condo board was seeking an order to get Vili to sell and leave within 90 days. A hearing on the matter was scheduled for the morning after the shooting. I'm not going anywhere. 
Rocco said in that unit, he never saw a gun. Where did he get the gun? Did he buy it? Did he had one? Uh, did the police do proper investigation? Did they check his place? Observers say it's possible Billy could have bought a gun legally because his restraining order was in a Newmarket civil court, not a criminal one. If nobody informed the authorities, they wouldn't have the opportunity to take action. And, you know, we, we've seen this in other cases where after the fact, a lot of people say, well, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, but... The reports weren't made. Some in the condo industry are reconsidering in-person meetings now. That's a mistake, says this condo auditor, who says in-person compassion solves many more risks than it creates. Where was that off-ramp? I am not convinced at all that this had to occur or was an inevitable ultimate result after years of strife. Rocco says he's determined to get to the bottom of whether the city could have done more. He wonders if a different intervention could have saved lives. I've also talked to two realtors who had dealings with Villy, one back in 2014 who sold him the condo. There were issues, but they were resolved, and he said there didn't seem to be any red flags then. Another realtor just three months ago was uh, engaging with Villy about selling that condo. Ultimately, Villy backed out of the deal. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, John. The province's Special Investigations Unit has cleared police officers involved in the fatal shooting of a gunman who killed three people, including a Toronto police officer. 40-year-old Sean Petrie was killed on September 12th during an exchange of gunfire with police at a Hamilton cemetery. He had previously shot and killed Toronto Police Constable Andrew Hong, Milton Mechanic, Shaquille Ashraf, and international student Statwinder Singh. The SIU says it's not clear which shots killed Petrie, but the use of firearms by the officers constituted legally justified force given the circumstances, and no charges will be laid. And a 20-year-old man from Scarborough is facing several charges, including two counts of second-degree murder, in connection with the deadly shooting in Oshawa this summer. Luca Greaves has been charged in the deaths of 21-year-old Jaheem Spence of Toronto and 22-year-old Joshua Canel Wong of Oshawa. The pair were shot and killed outside the Boulevard restaurant and bar early in the morning of June 25th. Three others were injured. We turn now to the great getaway for the holiday season. The crowds are growing at Pearson Airport as people travel to see loved ones leading up to Christmas. And we're already seeing some signs of turbulence. CTV's John Musselman is live with the details. John. Well, Nathan, we've got a bit of a developing story here at Pearson, and it's related to what's happening in Vancouver with all that snow. You'll see all these people behind me, and we're just going to pan over. Everyone in this massive lineup is trying to rebook a flight to Vancouver because all of the flights heading there were cancelled because of the weather out west. And this could be a preview of what we may be dealing with here in a few days when bad weather hits southern Ontario. I might describe it as the calm before the storm. People getting an early start on their holidays, happy to be avoiding the approaching bad weather expected later this week. This is actually pretty good. It's not busy at all. Well, I wasn't aware of the storm, but now I am. Yeah, I am relieved I'll be getting away today. We've got a lot of people that are traveling to go see family. We've got vacations, a lot of sun seekers, people going skiing. So it's just a really busy time in the airport. There are some delays and cancellations at Pearson, much of it connected to the winter weather conditions in Vancouver. Snow caused major problems there. Departure flights canceled and stories of passengers stuck in planes sitting on the tarmac for hours. 
it means many Vancouver-bound flights aren't getting out. This massive lineup inside Terminal 1 is for all the passengers on those cancelled Vancouver flights trying to rebook. When it snows in Vancouver, it's bad. Like, people don't know how to handle it. Uh, no, I have no idea. Just I should sit here, wait. What happened? Yeah. We were supposed to have friends coming to Toronto from Vancouver and they just couldn't get a flight. It was cancelled and they were travelling with four children and they were sent home after waiting in the airport for seven hours. Officials with the GTAA say more than 130,000 passengers a day will pass through both terminals at some point this week. People are being encouraged to plan ahead. We have a major weather system approaching Thursday into the weekend. The timing couldn't be worse for the airport. Well, we got all hands on deck. We are also hearing from arriving passengers who claim the baggage area remains a big problem. Dozens of bags. And the passenger shot this video today. He says after four days of waiting, he came back to the airport on his own time, walked into the baggage area, and found his bag just sitting there. Why is this happening? He said, we get to it when we get to it. And you have to understand it's Christmas. I can't help you out. I'm a businessman. But the fact of this attitude, they're so overwhelmed. They felt badly for us. But their answer was, I can't help you. We don't have the staff. Airport officials say there are ways to speed up the process at Pearson, including using the YYZ Express, which allows passengers to reserve their spot in security screening. Now you'll see behind me there's a bank of phones. That's what people are using to try to rebook their flights. We're also hearing from some of these passengers that they're trying to get to either Calgary, Winnipeg, as far west as they can get, and then try to figure out a way to get to Vancouver. But that'll be dependent on the weather. Reporting live inside Terminal 1, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back to you. All right, thank you, John. And we'll have more on the flight delays, cancellations, and road closures in Vancouver. The wintry weather nightmare for people on the West Coast, hoping to travel during the holiday season. That story's coming up. But first, here at home, and a live look outside the weather proving uneventful today, which is worth appreciating as we monitor a major winter storm system heading our way just in time for the holidays. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions and nothing to write home about today at least. No, not yet, Michelle. This is a good day today, tomorrow as well, ahead of what is going to be a very active couple of days in what is arguably the busiest travel period of the year. Temperature-wise, we're going to be a little bit chilly tonight. We're right at the freezing mark in Toronto, but of course all eyes are on this impending weather system and its arrival late day Thursday, major impacts during the day on Friday and Saturday as well. So here's an idea of what you can expect. There's a lot going on here. We are anticipating some rain, a possible flash freeze, some snow, system snow and lake effect, very strong winds which could lead to blizzard conditions in some areas and it looks as though some communities in southern Ontario will be impacted right through the weekend. Lots to discuss in your weather forecast. That's coming up but for now Nathan over to you. All right thanks Lindsay. We mentioned it just moments ago, some wicked weather hitting Canada's west coast. It's led to flight delays, cancellations and road closures in Vancouver, putting a damper on holiday plans for countless travelers as Zorada Allman is in studio. Zorada can't help but feel for them out west. Oh my God, and it's headed our way, Michelle and Nathan. Now the worst of that storm has now passed the Vancouver area, but it has left behind a mess on the roads and of course at the airport. The airport authority warning of continued delays and cancellations as they play catch up in the middle of this busy holiday travel week. 
The Vancouver Airport Authority is telling passengers not to come to the airport unless they absolutely have to, as a rare winter storm wreaks havoc on the West Coast, resulting in what they describe as an unprecedented number of cancelled flights. Some of those cancelled flights, passengers had already boarded and were on the tarmac stuck for more than 12 hours. People having panic attacks, yelling for doctors. Uh, there was a cat peeing on board. Someone was throwing up in the bathroom. Other people were just hyperventilating on the whole plane. And we were given two cups of water over 12 hours, one cookie and one bag of pretzels. There was also passengers say a serious lack of communication throughout their ordeal. One hour turned into two hours, turned into three hours. And then they said, oh, yeah, we're not going to be... Uh, flying you guys to Toronto anymore, it's not safe, and uh, we're going to get you back to the gate. Well, that was hour three, and then nine hours go by. Once deplaned, they were led into a crowded airport terminal without their baggage. My winter stuff is still under the plane, so I'm not going to leave the airport. I don't have any warm clothes with me. At least 30 centimetres of snow has buried Vancouver Island. Up to 25 centimetres of snow falling in the metro Vancouver area, creating treacherous snow-covered roads. Everybody's doing their best. The monster winter storm is not done yet as it continues to make its way east. Now, a small number have pla of planes have been able to depart, but the Vancouver Airport Authority says delays and cancellations will persist for a majority of flights. I'm Zoraida Alman. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Zoraida. Back here in Toronto, whether you rent a condo, apartment, or a house, chances are you can expect to pay more. Rental rates have been rising by some accounts by as much as almost 25%, and it's once again putting the issue of housing affordability in the spotlight. Sean Lethong joins us live with those details. Sean. Well, Michelle and Nathan, it's becoming about even more than affordability. I spoke to one woman today when she had to rent. She was actually pushed out of her neighborhood because of affordability. But then when she started to find other houses she wanted to rent, landlords wouldn't rent to her. When Kirsten Help's landlord put her home up for sale last fall, the single mother of three was pushed into a difficult rental market. So about five houses said no because I'm single. And like three said no because I have kids. Helps has good credit and full-time employment still. And so come October, I was homeless. And my kids and I were living in a hotel because no one would rent to me. Just now settling into a bungalow in Etobicoke, she's had to leave her neighborhood and her kids will change schools just to afford a place to live. While discriminatory rental practices are illegal, Real estate agent Joel Keitner says his clients are facing it constantly. Some landlords are trying to use their position of power right now because they know that they're in the driver's seat. He says the power imbalance is because rental demand is skyrocketing, creating more competition and sky-high prices. For example, a 500-square-foot, one-bedroom condo last year at this time would have gone for 1900 to 2100 That same unit right now would be 24 to 2600 According to a report from Rentals.ca, the average rent for a one-bedroom in Toronto is now over $2,500 a month, up 23% from last year. For a two-bedroom, over $3,300 a month, up 20.7% from last year. The main driver? Rising interest rates. With much higher interest rates today versus what we saw at the beginning of this year, um, you're also seeing more people that otherwise would have been pointed at the ownership market um, looking at rental instead. Jason Mercer with the Toronto Region Real Estate Board says that rental units are facing the same housing shortages as resale supply, and without more supply, they predict more increases. For Kirsten Helps, she's happy to have found a home, but says the process has left scars. 
My agent said it was illegal for them to judge people who are applying for houses, but all of them did. And in speaking with the Toronto Region Real Estate Board, they expect that the fact that interest rates are going to keep going up would mean that there'll be more situations like the one we just seen. Reporting live, I'm Sean Ethan. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Sean. From the cost of renting to those who call city parks and encampments home. They say evictions are becoming a growing concern as winter approaches, and homeless advocates say there aren't enough shelter spaces to meet the need. CTV's Austin Delaney reports. Do not seize my tent. This tent is my home. The sign is up because Lynn is afraid the city will take her tent if she's not here to guard it. This is my home. It's been my home for 15 months. 777 Allen Gardens Park. 777 Allen Gardens Park is home to a small community of homeless living in this encampment. <laughs> Do you ever want to go into a shelter? Never, ever, 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 ever. Lynn does not feel safe in the city's shelter system. Others simply cannot find a bed. Homeless advocates saying about 170 people are being turned away each night. I see this as a worker on a regular basis trying to call central intake to find shelter space for people um, and not being able to get anything. They feel the pinch recently losing 251 beds when the Novotel shelter on Front Street shuttered. And so some of the homeless turn to the parks. And we're giving them tents and sleeping bags. And the city is aggressively going into the parks and they are confiscating the tents and the sleeping bags and the warm clothing and the survival gear. Lynn says she's all too familiar. The city takes, they take tents all the time without consent. Lynn would like permanent housing and is waiting. Mayor John Tory says it is a priority, but in the meantime... Yes, we have um, wound down uh, the use of some of these hotels. There are many others still in use, but we will do that responsibly and we will not do it if there aren't uh, uh, places elsewhere uh, for people to be sheltered by the city. Officially, the city is against the encampments, saying the parks are meant to be enjoyed by everyone, not just a few calling them home. The fire department calls them a fire hazard when propane heaters go up in flames. Mayor Tory says he is focused on permanent supported housing, saying in the last couple of years, 3,000 units have been added and 2,000 more planned in the coming years. Austin Delaney, CTV News. At Queen's Park, healthcare workers had a special holiday message for the Premier. We're here today to deliver a, a postcard to Premier Ford. Uh, I doubt he's going to come down for it. He's been asked to, but it, it says, Dear Premier, do not appeal Bill 124. And we're delivering this on behalf of the 295,000 hospital workers, healthcare workers that we represent in Ontario, people who've worked tirelessly through the pandemic. Nurses, personal support workers and others delivered a Christmas wish list. What they want most is the government to respect an Ontario Superior Court decision that struck down Bill 124. The bill capped wage increases for public sector workers. A new poll suggests 75% of Canadians think the worst of the pandemic is over. That's up 7% compared to a similar survey in August. 17% of those who responded to the Research Co. poll believe the worst of COVID-19 is still ahead, while 9% said they weren't sure. 70% of respondents still view the pandemic as a real threat. Officials say patient care is not being affected after a cybersecurity incident at the hospital for sick children. Several network systems, including some phone lines, have been impacted, 
following Sunday night's incident. But there's no evidence that personal or health information has been breached. Third-party experts have been called in to help resolve the situation. To Canada's effort now to reduce our dependency on single-use plastics. A ban on the production of things like plastic grocery bags, cutlery and straws came into effect today. CTV's Mike Walker reports. At this Italian bakery, the owners transitioned away from single-use plastic bags months ago, ahead of a national ban. We started looking into uh, doing a, a biodegradable bag because um, we knew this was going to come up. As of today, companies can no longer produce or import plastic products. The ban list includes grocery bags, cutlery, takeout containers, stir sticks and straws. A big adjustment for the food service industry. This time next year, it will be illegal to sell single-use plastics. A bamboo takeout container. Some restaurants have already pivoted. It's probably at least double, even sometimes five times more expensive than the old plastic products. So it is going to have to be passed down the line, unfortunately. At the bakery, Bozzo has been searching for alternatives for his takeout and catering business, which he says has been a struggle. Now the quality's not there. It just doesn't hold moisture well, so a lot of stuff seeps through. Next year, plastic six-pack rings will be added to the ban list. The federal government estimates the ban will eliminate 1.3 million tons of plastic waste and more than 22,000 tons of plastic pollution. These items were picked because they have a big impact on the environment. Uh, they're not recyclable. Uh, they end up as litter or they end up in the environment harming wildlife. But environmentalists say the ban falls short. Six items is not enough. We need to go further and ban other unrecyclable plastics and really move towards a reuse economy. Some giant retailers like Walmart and Sobeys have already eliminated plastic bags. Well, it's time we got these out of the waste stream. There's no surprise anymore if you go to the store, or you shouldn't be surprised if they say we don't have plastic bags. Advocates for businesses urging Ottawa to work with suppliers to make sure alternatives are available. We want to save our planet, but how readily available will this product be? The government says this ban is the first phase of its strategy to achieve zero plastic waste by 2030. Mike Walker, CTV News. The Defense Department has reportedly been given the green light to buy 16 new fighter jets. The Lockheed Martin F-35 aircraft and related gear will cost $7 billion. The Canadian press says the federal government quietly approved the request earlier this month. Ottawa was required to put in an initial order by the end of the year to ensure the delivery schedule remains on track. The government says it plans to buy 88 jets to replace the aging CF-18s. In Germany, a former Nazi concentration camp secretary was convicted of being an accessory to murder. 97-year-old Ermgard Ferkner was found guilty of aiding and abetting the murder of more than 10,000 people. She worked at the camp between 1943 and 1945. Ferkner was given a two-year suspended sentence in line with what prosecutors had sought. Ukraine's president made an unannounced visit to a frontline city in the east today. A moment of silence was held in tribute to the country's fallen soldiers. Volodymyr Zelensky also saluted the courage and resilience of the people in the area. He awarded medals to those who've been fighting to keep the enemy from encircling the city about 600 kilometers east of Kyiv. It has seen some of the most intense combat since Russia invaded. In Afghanistan, women are being banned from private and public universities. It's difficult to imagine how a country can develop, uh, can deal with all of its, the challenges that it has without the active participation of, of women.
The Taliban government says the measure will remain in effect until further notice. The U.S. and Britain are condemning the move. The Taliban initially promised a more moderate rule, but it has barred girls from middle school and high school and restricted women from most employment. They're also ordered to wear head-to-toe clothing in public and are banned from parks and gyms. There is confirmation tonight that the North American Leaders Summit will take place in Mexico City next month. Prime Minister Trudeau will sit down with U.S. President Joe Biden and host Andreas Manuel Lopez Obrador for talks on January 10th. The meeting will focus on the economies of the three countries. Canadian officials say that will include discussion about advancing collaboration across the electric vehicle supply chain. We're getting our first look at the new face of the British pound. The Bank of Canada has, or make that Bank of England, has unveiled banknotes with a portrait of King Charles. His face will grace 5, 10, 20, and 50-pound notes beginning in mid-2024. But existing notes will still be accepted. 50-pence coins bearing Charles's image have already entered circulation via post offices around the United Kingdom. Also in the U.K., the highest Christmas lights display in Western Europe is illuminating London. And for the first time, the Shard is featuring an interactive audio element. People can stream a synchronized soundtrack to their smartphone or other device, playing the sounds of nearby London set to music. That includes subway trains, barges on the River Thames, and soccer teams playing on nearby pitches. Coming up, what happens when you bring home a World Cup to Argentina? The wild parade that saw millions flood the streets in celebration as they welcome their heroes home. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, there's another scam going around you should know about. It's the check overpayment scam. An art student trying to sell a portrait was just defrauded out of $800. I can tell you what to watch out for. That story is just ahead. Partly cloudy skies tonight, minus 5 degrees for the low, wind chill minus 7. Tomorrow, we officially welcome winter. It's the winter solstice, the season officially here by the late afternoon. It's traditionally known as the shortest day of the year, but going forward, we're going to gradually see a little more in the way of daylight. That's your good news. I have maybe some not-so-good news when it comes to your holiday travel plans. We'll detail this incoming winter system just ahead here on CTV News. There are new scams going around almost every day, but some older ones are also making a comeback and now targeting younger people. A budding Richmond Hill artist thought he was doing a good deed by painting a child's portrait, but he got ripped off $800. Pat Foran has the story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. Last year, Canadians lost over $20 million to various forms of vendor fraud. One of them is the overpayment scam. It's when someone sends you a check for an item but sends you too much, you lose the money if you send it back. And I just wanted to capture this boy shooting a basketball. I love, I love basketball. I loved it when I was a kid. Still. Brandon Bagawi of Richmond Hill is a student studying art at university and he hopes to make painting his life's work. My dream is to, to do this for a living, you know. I like painting because um, it's very meditative um, and I like telling stories through painting. Bagui posts his paintings on Instagram, and recently a woman asked him to paint a picture of her daughter from a photo and said she would pay him $300. She was to send him a $100 deposit, but she sent him a check for $1,100. She claimed it was by mistake. She asked him to e-transfer some of the funds back to her. 
you know, I deposited that check and uh, we just sort of came to so a solution like, okay, I'll just send you $800 back and I'll take the $300. But days later, the check bounced and Bagwe was scammed out of the $800. I let her know, like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a university student. I don't have a lot of money. Bagawi is with TD Bank, which called his situation unfortunate and said it will reach out to him about the fraud. A spokesperson said, always be aware of who you're accepting a check from. Accept only guaranteed funds, such as cash or a bank draft, and do not accept checks that have been altered in any way. Scammers are targeting younger people because many aren't as familiar with using checks. When Bagawi tried to contact the woman again, she stopped all communication. This piece uh, shows this boy spinning a basketball on his finger. The artist wants to stay positive and hopes by sharing his story, he can help others avoid getting caught in the overpayment scam. And when you deposit a check, the money is not really in your account until it clears. And if anyone sends you a check for more than you were expecting, chances are it's a scam. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. All right, to the forecast, winter begins tomorrow, and already there's a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. I know. This is just such a pivotal week for people, mapping out what they're going to do, see family, maybe travel long distances, and the weather is going to factor in, unfortunately. Might we get off easy? Well, I don't know if we'll get off easy. It looks like just about everyone in Ontario is going to be impacted by this incoming storm, and we're confident that it is going to be high impact. We're just less confident when it comes to some of the nitty-gritty details, like just how strong the wind's could be when the precipitation types change. In any case, you might want to start thinking ahead to being flexible with your travel plans, especially for Friday, Friday overnight and into the day on Saturday. That's when the weather could be the most, uh, dare I say, dangerous. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Before we talk about the weather locally, I just have to point out how cold it is this hour in parts of Western Canada. Look at some of the numbers. Minus 25 degrees in Winnipeg. It is minus 37 in Whitehorse. It feels close to minus 50, that wind chill. Even the city of Vancouver, we talked about the snow, but let's talk about the cold. It's minus 7 degrees there right now. We, on the other hand, are looking at a seasonal day tomorrow here in southern Ontario. One degree for the high. Not only that, but we've got sunshine in store, so enjoy this. I know it's tossed around a lot, but this is quite literally the calm before the storm. A good day to get your shopping done, maybe pick up the groceries and maybe have a, a bit of an emergency kit if you do have to do some traveling over the next couple of days because we are in for some pretty wild weather. Here's the special weather statement that's in place. It's covering all of southern Ontario into Quebec and now into the maritime provinces too. Here's a look at our forecast radar. So it looks like things are really going to start to get going in the morning hours for southwestern Ontario with some rain. Looks like by Thursday evening we too are going to be dealing with some rain here in the GTA overnight stays rain into Friday. We're going to see a sharp drop in temperature and as a result a flash freeze is possible. Then it appears as though we're going to get into some snow. But not only snow, very strong winds are going to kick in. Uh, looks like late day Friday and overnight into the day on Saturday. So that is going to lead to uh, reduced visibility on the roads, blowing snow and then a multi-day lake effect uh, snow squall event. Here's a, just a peek at what some of the peak wind gusts are going to be reaching into the day on Friday. 
Looks like anywhere from maybe 70 to 90 kilometers per hour, uh, perhaps stronger than that to the east of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. So power outage is a possibility. Blizzard-like conditions a possibility, especially late Friday and into the early part of Saturday. The GTA itself should fare a little bit better by the time we reach Christmas Eve. So that's the good news. But anywhere north and west of the GTA, problem areas, especially those traditional snow belts. Friday night into Saturday could bring us some of our coldest air of the season so far. Sunday is Christmas Day. Looks like the weather is going to start to calm down. Chance of flurries and then some sun as we make our way through the early part of next week. Plan ahead and just make sure you take it easy if you do in fact have to travel. That's your look at the weather for now. Did you know that there is still time to help CTV and the Salvation Army build a mountain of toys? You can drop off new unwrapped toys at bins through the day tomorrow. And we want to thank everyone who has been doing so over the last few weeks and sharing their photos with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We are so happy to celebrate all of you and your generosity this week. Whether it was one toy or many toys, a group effort or an individual one, every effort helps to make Christmas brighter for tens of thousands of families right here in the GTA. From all of us here at CTV News Toronto, thank you for helping us build a toy mountain. Michelle and Nathan, I'll send it back to you. Thanks, Lindsay. Also tonight, Justin Bieber blasts H&M. Why the pop star is not happy with the retailer's new merch and what officials at H&M had to say about it. It was a party 36 years in the making. A jubilant and no doubt tired Argentinian World Cup championship team have landed in Buenos Aires. Our Andrea Case joins us now with the <laughs> victorious return. Oh, Michelle, if only this could have been in Canada. One day, perhaps. Yeah, this is a party which no doubt will go on for some time. A national holiday was declared, so the joy, it's so overwhelming. One fan says, I have no more tears. The party is underway in Buenos Aires. After 36 years of waiting, the World Cup trophy is back in Argentina. If you can dream it, you can make it happen. But for Lionel Messi, this dream is a reality. Posting on Instagram, the man called the world's best soccer player wished the world good morning with a series of snaps. With a pit stop in Italy, it was a long trip home to Buenos Aires. 15,000 kilometers later, thousands greeted them at the airport at 3 a.m. And hours later, a national holiday was declared. At a midday rally, an estimated 4 million fans lined the streets, highways and byways to greet them. With the streets clogged, helicopters were brought in to get them to their final destination. The 35-year-old's traditional trophy hoist has now become the most liked photo on Instagram, with at least 65 million likes. Drake is also trending on social media. On TikTok, he bet $1 million that Argentina would win the World Cup final. Argentina won the match, but not in regulation time. So his million-dollar wager with a payout of $2.5 million meant Drizzy lost the bet. A lost Drake born Aubrey Graham can handle. His estate is worth an estimated $250 million. And while the Moroccan team lost in the semifinals, they were treated like champions when they returned home. Some of the black players from the French team, which lost to Argentina, have faced a barrage of racist attacks on social media, prompting comments to be suspended and politicians and club representatives to call out the disturbing post and offer their support for the players.
Okay, back to Lionel Messi. He says this was his final World Cup tournament, but he's not hanging up his boots just yet. He plans to play a few more games for the national side. And finally, in Canada, the final match was a ratings winner for this network, CTV. The average audience of 4.8 million, up 23% from 2018. Oh, the beautiful game. I'm Andrea Case Michelle. I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Andrea. To hockey now, the Leafs will try to get back in the win column tonight when they host the Tampa Bay Lightning. Toronto is coming off a 5-2 loss to the Washington Capitals on Saturday. The Leafs have dropped back-to-back -back games after winning four straight. Puck drop for tonight's contest is set for seven at Scotiabank Arena. Four seconds, three seconds, pulls up, got it! The Raptors are in the midst of their worst losing streak of the season, falling to the 76ers last night. They were tied at 99 heading into overtime, but it was Philly that was able to pull ahead. The Raptors will look to rebound tomorrow against the New York Knicks. Football fans in the Maritimes will get a chance to see the Grey Cup champs in action next season. The CFL has announced the Toronto Argonauts will play in the Touchdown Atlantic regular season game. The boatmen take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at St. Mary's University in Halifax July 29th. Toronto will be the home team for the third consecutive time. Justin Bieber is not very happy with the world's second largest fashion retailer. The Canadian star is telling his legion of fans not to shop at H&M. Bieber says the company used his image and lyrics on some of its clothing without his approval. The singer took the social media calling the merchandise trash and urging his 270 million followers not to buy it. H&M says it's checking with all concerned parties and has removed the products, at least for now. Following the success of Top Gun Maverick, Tom Cruise is thanking his fans in a very Tom Cruise way. Are you coming? Not on your life. Good luck. Okay. We'll see you down there. Boom. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Thank you for supporting Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> yeah, the actor delivered his message while skydiving. Cruz performed the stunt over South Africa during filming for the next Mission Impossible movie. As he plummeted down to Earth, Cruz also wished everyone a safe and happy holiday. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. They met each other through social media. They come from varying parts of the city. That is to say, they are not from one specific geographic location. We don't know how or why they met on that evening and why the destination was downtown Toronto. Updating our top stories, eight girls between 13 and 16 have been charged with second-degree murder in connection with a swarming attack over the weekend. A 59-year-old man died in hospital after he was stabbed multiple times near York Street and University Avenue on Sunday. These victims have families that are, are suffering right now. Police have identified the five people killed in a mass shooting at a Vaughn condo building Sunday. The victims range in age from 57 to 79 years old, while a 66-year-old woman was also injured. Three of the victims, including the woman who survived, were members of the condo board. The gunman, identified as 73-year-old Francesco Vili, was involved in an ongoing dispute with the board. We've got a lot of holiday travelers coming through Pearson this week. Definitely, we've already seen it starting, and it's only going to get busier through the rest of the week. Pearson Airport's preparing for its peak holiday travel season, as well as a winter storm. Poor weather on the West Coast has already led to a number of flight delays and cancellations. 
Meanwhile, a major weather system is expected to arrive in this city on Thursday. On the markets, the Canadian dollar was up about a fifth of a cent to 73.45 U.S. American benchmark oil added 90 cents to close at 76.09 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX Composite Index gained 106 points to end the day at 19,306. And if you need gas, you might want to fill your tank tonight. Fuel prices are set to rise. That's according to Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. He's forecasting prices to rise two cents from most of southern Ontario to about a buck 39.9 cents a liter. And the cost of fuel has more people turning to electric vehicles, and soon there will be more charging stations in green pea lots. Starting in 2023, uh, Toronto Parking Authority will take over the responsibility for installing and operating all City of Toronto on-street public EV uh, charging stations. Their ambitious plan includes the provision of more than 100 EV charging stations at 11 Greenpea parking locations by the end of this year, growing to over 650 charging stations off-street and on-street by the end of 2024. The mayor says this new initiative is part of the city's stated goal to achieve net zero emissions by the year 2040. A pilot project is also underway in Toronto, featuring 17 on-street EV charging stations across the city. Tonight, travel misery during one of the busiest times of the year. It's just been a very, very long, very angry wait. Agonizing delays as a severe snowstorm slams BC later on CTV National News. Adding light to illuminate the world. An eight foot menorah was lit this evening near Young and Davisville. This community-wide celebration has been an annual event since it began six years ago. It was held on the third day of Hanukkah. This year's public menorah lighting carries added significance. Jewish communities worldwide are celebrating the year of Hakel. It's the Hebrew word for gathering or assembling. And not a bad night. Cool to be outside. You have to bundle up. But these are the kind of calm days before the storm that we're expecting later this week. Absolutely. I don't think anyone's complaining about the weather tonight. Even though temperature-wise, we are maybe a little bit on the cool side. Forecast overnight low, minus 5. Wind chill, minus 7 tonight. Here's a look at what you can expect in other select cities across southern Ontario and central parts of the province. Tomorrow, nice-looking day. We'll finally enjoy some sunshine. And eventually, we're expecting that the temperature will climb to about 1 degree. But but here's one more look at that seven-day forecast. Active starting late day Thursday and likely continuing right through the holiday weekend. Nathan and Michelle. Right. Thank you, Lindsay. Be sure to join Morella Fernandez tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.